Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I just want to remind you, um, in case you were thinking about skipping out next week, uh, our special guest first uh, Sunday in December we usually have is uh, Ben Mathis, and he will be here, and Ben is always a hoot, to say the least, okay? Um, and so adult Sunday school class will be over in the Cooper House, um, and then he will also be uh, speaking here in worship. Uh, so remember that for next Sunday. And that's also the first Sunday in Advent. And we'll break in uh, the Christmas carols in the new hymnal and sing to the Lord. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're able, please stand with me as I read the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon us today. Open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds, that we would not just read the print on the page, but those words would penetrate our hearts. You would give us the understanding that we might live them out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 12 and read to the end of the chapter, but we're basically going to deal with just one verse, but I want you to see the context of it all. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I assure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, on uh, this Thanksgiving weekend, it is appropriate, I think, uh, to look at the distinctive of Christian thanksgiving. Now, we all have friends who are, are not believers that we might categorize as thankful people. They're grateful in general about, about life. They show appreciation for things, uh, the many blessings they enjoy. They also might even have a what we might term a thankful heart in the midst of their trials and their sufferings and the, the tough things in life. But what is the distinctive about the believer and the type of thanksgiving that we are to express and the type of thanksgiving that we can find here, especially on, on this weekend? What is the distinctive about the attitude of our hearts? What is evident in our lives when it comes to this? Now, with the obvious uh, exception of 
personal sin, Paul is saying that no matter what happens to you in life, you are to be thankful in it. No matter what circumstances, no matter what struggle, no matter what trial, no matter what testing, we are called to be thankful in the midst of those. Now first, we're going to look at at this passage, verse 18 in particular, or it's the only one we're going to look at because there's plenty there, but there are three directives that Paul gives us in to set up the context here for verse 18. And he says um, that first we are to, verse 16, rejoice always, verse 17, pray without ceasing, and then verse 18, the third directive is in everything give thanks. So Paul is, is the context here is in prayer and in life, he's saying, um, Uh, that these are the things that you should always be doing, but there is an overarching attitude of the life of the the believer that is different from the non-believer's life. He is to be prayerful, he is to be joyful, and he is to give thanks. As I said this morning, we're only going to look at verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's look at this for a moment in a purely pragmatic fashion. Uh, there are plenty of pragmatists out there, and you understand pragmatism is really what works. Okay? That you can be pragmatic in a lot of things, but pragmatism is, a, uh, is not, uh, it's not theology, and it's not pure faith because you might look at things and look at them pragmatically, but the eyes of faith look at them differently, okay? But let's for a second look at it purely in a pragmatic fashion. Um, There are just too many things that are unpleasant in life, too many difficult situations, too many downright hurtful things that happen to us to be thankful for everything that we are in, in a purely pragmatic fashion. You can look at those things and say, how can I be thankful for such and such? How can I be thankful for this? Don't you know it's breaking me down? Don't you know it's destroying me? It's crushing me. And when we hear these words from Paul that sound so, so thankful in everything, they sound good, they sound right, they sound biblical, but they don't seem to be very practical when we put them to use in life. When we read about things like this, we often think that maybe... Paul is just being uh, dealing in hyperbole, okay? And he's saying something all the way at this end so that we'll move somewhere down the spectrum closer to it. Could Paul really be saying and meaning that in everything we are to be thankful? Ooh. So first, let's look at the three things that he lays out for us here. These, And I'm certainly, this is not any great uh, theological insight. It's just what it says here. He, Paul tells us what we need to do. In everything, give thanks. He tells us why we need to do it. It is the will of God. And then he tells us how to do it in Christ Jesus. Now, this is, this is great because not only is he saying this is what you have to do and this is why you need to do it, But he tells us how to do it. He tells us how to do it. So first of all, in everything, give thanks. Now this is, in the Greek language, an imperative. It is a command. 
It is not an option for the believer. It's not as if, well, um, maybe not this one, but over here I can. No, he says, in everything, give thanks. Paul is commanding the people of God that this is what we have to do. We must be a thankful people because of what the Lord has done in our lives. We remind our children, um, because we don't want them to grow up like spoiled brats, that when they receive a gift, they have to do what? They have to say thank you. Or they have to, you know, I, I know it's kind of out of, out of fashion, but what? They have to write a thank you note, okay? Or sometimes you say, now go hug grandma because she gave you that gift. Now, no matter what the Girl Scouts say, because if you've read this week, the Girl Scouts came out and said, you can't make your kid hug somebody if they don't want to. Go hug grandma because she gave you this gift, okay? I don't think it's going to scar her. Um, but, uh, you know, you say thankful. You don't want your kids to grow up spoiled brats as if, well, of course I got this. I deserve it. Ugh, ugh. I know what they deserve. They need, deserve to have the temperature of the, their behind raised, okay? That's what their attitude is that. That's what they deserve. But we want them to be thankful. And Paul is saying that's one of the marks of the believer, that they are thankful. Now, what does Paul mean here when he says thankful? He means a recognition that you and I are dependent upon God for all things. And we looked at this when we looked at God's providence a couple weeks ago and, and how he provides for us. Um, everything we have comes from the Lord. And Paul, on ten occasions here in Thessalonians, he commands the people to be thankful, and he gives 18 instances in his own life of things that he is thankful for. Remember, Paul's not had it all that easy since he met Christ on the road to Damascus. Uh, it's been kind of hard for him. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. He's been beaten. Um, he's been in prison. I mean, it's been a hard life, but he gives these things again and again, evidences of his thankfulness to the Lord. We read in Psalm 100, the great thankful hymn, old, old 100, okay? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then if we go back, Psalm 95, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise before the Lord. This is what we are required to do. And Paul is telling us that in every circumstance, in every circumstance of life, we are to be thankful. He's saying our thanksgiving, though it may sometimes be motivated by our circumstances, is not to be ruled or determined by our circumstance. Oh, I got a new puppy. Of course I'm thankful. Have you had a puppy? <laughs> uh, but, but, but your circumstance does not determine your thankfulness. God and his care for you determines your thankfulness. Like contentment, Paul is telling us our thankfulness is to be derived from the Lord. Therefore, in every circumstance, be it good or bad, we are to give thanks. Now, I say in every circumstance. You notice my emphasis, in. What does Paul not say? He does not say for everything. He says in everything. Now, that's a big distinction there. And, and the language is very clear in the Greek because there's a different word for for. It's not as if this was an option. He could go either way. It says, in everything, give thanks. Now, you may have found yourself on the receiving end of some evil. 
for which God is not necessarily asking you to give thanks for that evil in your life. Paul is not saying to people who have lost loved ones in some tragic accident or something like this, oh, give thanks for their death, or give thanks that that the truck lost its brakes and ran over that new puppy. Give thanks for that. He is saying in those circumstances, you are able to give thanks to the Lord. No matter how catastrophic they are, we are to give thanks. Now, if you have, if you can grab one of those new hymnals, I want you to grab it and open it to page 869. 869. You're thinking, I've never been in, in this part of a hymnal before. Okay? This is one of the reasons we got this, this new hymnal, because of the stuff in the back. Okay? The indices in the back. Page 869, you'll see at the top of the page, it says authors, composers, arrangers, translators, and sources. Okay, this is alphabetically arranged of all of, an arrangement of all of those types of people. So it starts with uh, Alfred Henry Akeley and moves on. The third column on that page, about two-thirds of the way down, you'll see the name which most uh, if, you, if you are a hymn lover, you'll know that name, Crosby, Fanny Jane, lived from 1820 to 1915. Everybody got that? How many hymns did she write are included in this hymnal? Fifteen, I count them. Okay? So I want you to understand, Fanny Crosby wrote 6,000, and we just have 15 of them in this hymnal. Okay? Now, why do I bring up Fanny Crosby? If you know anything about Fanny, she and I are first name basis. Uh, when she was only six weeks old, she had an affliction in her eyes. And either because of the uh, inability of the doctor at that time, the uh, uh, inability of the medicine to affect it, she was blind the rest of her life. This is one of the people who knew her well describes her in this way. Either from lack of accurate diagnosis or from the possibility that the remedy was beyond the reach of ordinary skill, whatever the treatment it was, it failed to accomplish the desire end, and she was permanently blind. A calamity which would be regarded by us as beyond all compensation she looks upon as one of the commonplaces of her normal condition. It is pathetic to hear her gentle but earnest protest when tender sympathies are extended upon her by honestly commiserating friends. But we cannot but admire the beautiful contentment with which she accepts her place in life and even expresses a preference for what to us would be only an unmitigated misfortune. Her childhood was a period of unalloyed delight. Her happy temperament threw sunshine over all her surroundings. As if to give notice to all persons that they need not waste any pity on her, she wrote at the age of eight, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. One time a preacher sympathetically remarked to her, said, I think it is a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. She quickly replied to this, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, 
it would have been that I should be born blind? Well, why? Because when I get to heaven, the first face that I shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Wow. Okay? The first face she would ever see would be Christ. Turn back a couple pages to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. In, in everything, we are called to be thankful. Now, why does Paul write that to this particular group of believers? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. This was a church that was under persecution. This was a church that was suffering. Okay? You welcomed the message of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit with thanksgiving. And, and Paul is saying you should expect as people of Christ to experience pains and losses and crosses that accompany the life in fellowship and the communion with Jesus Christ. But this group is called to give thanks in everything as this group is as this person is, as this believer is. Back to verse 18. The second piece of information for us is why we are to give thanks in everything. In every circumstance that we face, we give thanks for everything. Why? Because this is God's will for you. Now, the Bible in whole, but especially the Psalms, especially the Psalms, simply piles up reason after reason after reason why we should be thankful to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. We give thanks because the sovereign God of heaven and earth is not a tyrant with a bad attitude, but is one who loves us. He is a loving God. He loves to give His children what is good because He cares for us. He watches over us. He protects us. He spares us. He redeems us. He loves us. He gives us good gifts. He establishes justice. He shows mercy. And that's just a short list of all the things that the Lord provides for us. And Paul says, give thanks to the Lord in everything because it is God's will for you to do so. I've had a terrible day. In that Experience. It is God's will that I give thanks to God. I may not give thanks to God for the terrible day, but in the midst of that terrible day, I am to give thanks to the Lord. So this means two things in particular. First, God wants us to give thanks in everything, and therefore we ought to do it. Your child comes to you. No, you're sitting at the dinner table. Everything is eaten except the broccoli on your child's plate. Okay? And you say, eat it. And they ask that great question, why? And you, in all your wisdom and experience of the great parent, says what? Because I said so. (laughs) That's the answer. I mean, because are they ready for the great answer about the iron and the, well, the, it's it's crucifidus vegetable or something like that? You know, all the, I'll say all the good things that are in it. Because your six-year-old does not understand all the vitamins and they're going to grow up healthy and strong. And when you're 40, you're going to thank 
me that I made you eat your vegetables. All you're going to say is because I said so. Sometimes that's all that they can understand. Sometimes this is all that we can grasp from the Lord because it is his will. It is his will that we be thankful. God said to do it. You don't have to pray about it. Should I be thankful for this? Should I be thankful in this? God said, be thankful. But the second thing is that because God is sovereign and because his providence, in his providence, he provides all things for his people, therefore we should be rejoicing people. We should have joy in our hearts because God cares for us. He watches over us. There we are in his hand. He's never going to let us go. We belong to him. His purpose is not to create a bitter people, an ungrateful people, an angry people. No, his job and his purpose in us is to create thankful people, people who have been redeemed. And Paul is saying, even though you live in the midst of a fallen world, which is nasty all around you, and there are things in the world that you may not be thankful for in your circumstances, in your life, give thanks to the Lord in everything. It is his will to do so. Now, God is saying that I desire believers to have joyful hearts in spite of their circumstance, in spite of their circumstance, in spite of what is going on around them in their temporary life here. His desire is to create this thankful people so that the non-believers look at us the outside world looks at us and goes, what is it about those people? How, are they to ha- how can they have that attitude? How can they live that life in the midst of their circumstances? So, because we give thanks in everything. It is God's will for us. He is sovereign. His hand of providence provides for us. His hand of grace sustains us and does not let us go. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It's God's will. He has said this before. He doesn't always give us any explanation of it. He just says it is God's will. Chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So what does God want out of you? Growth. Maturity. Becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. It's God's will for you. Be sanctified. Well, that doesn't make it an option. It's not something that you can pick and choose from. Be sanctified. Grow in the things of Christ. Follow his will. Now, this brings up kind of a strange issue in our world today. That we, How can we be confused about the will of God? Well, I want to know the will of God. Don't, don't you want to know the will of God? You want to seek that out? Um, this week, I did a quick search. It wasn't an exhaustive search. It was just a quick search on the number of books that are currently in print on the subject of guidance relative to God's will. I stopped counting at 80. And I just think about that. How can I find God's will? There are at least 80 books out there that are going to help you find God's will for your life. I only needed one, okay, because <laughs> this was it. <laughs> now you think, okay, well, it's it that way. Is it complicated to find God's will? If you go back in history to the 18th and 19th centuries, that would be the 17, 1800s, and try to find books that are written on determining God's will in your life or finding guidance, you will find 
Zero written on that topic. Why? Because they had this one. They were so steeped in Scripture. They were so uh, full of the things of His Word that they knew His will either from direct statement or from the implied things from His Word. Let me give you an example of this. Charles Spurgeon said of this man, John Bunyan, he said, This man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere and his blood is bibline. No one has ever said that of me. Okay. <laughs> the very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the Word of God. Their thoughts, their actions were controlled by the Word because they were steeped in the Word. Yeah, but I want to know God's will for me. There's got to be a book out there that says, here are the five ways to determine it. Yeah, there is a book out there that tells us how to find God's will. Steep yourself in this. You don't have to pray about God's will. Is it God's will that I should give thanks and everything? I don't know. Maybe there's a book written about it. There's a verse written about it. There's a portion of a verse written about it. And the answer is yes, it is God's will for you. Number three. Okay, Paul, you give us this. Now how am I supposed to do this? How in the world am I supposed to, in everything, give thanks to the Lord? It is God's will for you. And these three words tell us how. In Christ Jesus. You say, oh, well, this isn't a kid's sermon. You know, the answer to almost every question in the kid's sermon is what? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> but it is the truth. How am I able to give thanks? If you do not believe these things, you will look at this and go, you're kidding me. I'm supposed to give thanks in everything. It's God's will for me. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you will not understand this. You will have no hope of achieving it until you are in Christ Jesus, until the control of your life is given over to Christ, until he is your Lord and Savior, until everything you want to do is in conformity with his will. You say, Randy, you don't understand my circumstance. You're right. I don't. I don't have the slightest clue about what you're going through. I don't have the, the clue about what your circumstance is. And, but yet he's called you to give thanks in that circumstance. In the same way, you don't understand what my circumstance is. You have no idea of the challenges that I face. And, 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 and how is it possible that in the things that go on in life... We can give thanks in those. It is his will. And if you are in Christ, you can do it. In everything. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are in Christ, that's the only way you can do it. I have heard people who are dying of cancer tell me I would not trade this for anything. I've heard People on their deathbed saying, I am so looking forward to the glories of heaven. I am so thankful now in this time of my life. How is that possible? They are in Christ Jesus. There is not a doubt in their minds that they belong to him. They have seen the face of God in Christ. They know the Lord. They have tasted and seen and know the Lord is good. They have rested in his grace. They belong to Christ. They are in him. Many, many years ago, the great church father, Augustine, 
said, Lord, command what you will, but give what you command. Lord, I, can do the, I can't do the things that you tell me to do, but if you can command them, then you can give me the ability to do what you command. This is a command from the Lord. If he commands it, he provides the ability to do it. I don't want you to think that the Lord is going through a list and saying, I want you to do this and this and this and this, and and I'm going to come back in 20 years, and I want to see it in your life. No, he says, I want you to do this and to do this and to do this, and this is what I'm going to do in those 20 years. I'm going to hold you in my hand, and I'm going to carry you through those things, and I'm going to enable you to give thanks in all things because you are mine. Because you belong to me. The Lord has commanded thankfulness. He has given us the ability to be thankful. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to read from Colossians. And I just want you to soak this in. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Heavenly Father, make our hearts overflow with the thankfulness that can only come when we are in Christ. No matter the circumstance, no matter what the world is giving us, it is in those things that we can be thankful because your care is evident in our lives. Your love is made manifest in our hearts. Your spirit sustains us and empowers us to do what it is you have commanded. For you are a God who not only commands, but provides. Heavenly Father, help us conform our will to this, that we might be thankful people, we might be people who rejoice, people who are envied by the world for the joy that fills our hearts. And we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 637. We gather together. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 637.
Father, send us out with thankful hearts, hearts that you have given us, commanded us to have, provided for us, Lord, that the, the very words on our tongues would be your praises, no matter the circumstance. For you not only go with us, you go before us, behind us, above us, below us, all around us, for we belong to you. Send us out, Lord. We may be thankful people in Christ's name. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.